later on this episode. It's always B2B, B2C, but it's it's not. It's it's actually HH, it's human to human. It's not B2C. Yeah. So many so many people think that sales is a bad four-letter word, but you can't you can't take out the factor of a person. Folks, welcome to another conversation with one of the best of the best in his space. At the podium today is a new friend and someone that I've been admiring from afar for, I'd say, almost a decade. I was uh, strongly reintroduced to his name, his brand, his reputation by our mutual good friend, Nathan DiLorenzo. DiLo, shout out to you in Chicago, uh, the city of the great Chicago Bears. Uh, Anyhow, but Lance Tyson and look, folks, we talk about selling systems, selling philosophies, uh, selling tactics, you know, selling is simply a conversation where we exchange value around what's most important to someone else, their dreams, priorities, fears. Lance is the best selling author and industry leader with three books most recently and just hit number one a few weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal and USA Today, right, Lance? Yeah, Wall Street Journal number one on the USA list, but thank you for bringing that. Wall Street Journal number one, USA Today list, the human sales factor. He's got more than 30 years focus on sales training and consulting for some of the biggest brands in the world, such as the Dallas Cowboys, Red Gold Tomatoes, Eli Lilly, and Topgolf. He specializes in generating results. Oh, gosh, all of those us in sales. What would we pay for an actual conversion and predictable outcome that generates revenue, right? It's unbelievable what he's done over the last 30 years. He started organizations in the past. He's shed some weight. He's restructured. The Tyson Group exploded starting in 2018. But look, at the end of the day, he's a husband. He's a father of three. And Lance, I want to welcome you to today's show, reminding folks that the Tyson Group, the Tyson Group is one of the top organizations to watch, to follow, to obsess about learning from. If you have any ambition of being in the world of sales and we're all in sales every day, Lance. Manny, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have this. And the fact that the fact that we both know D'Lo, <laughs> Nathan DiLorenzo, two shout outs on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> blow up. Blow but, up. But I can't lie. I've got to get, you know, we're all about acknowledging the nominator, I think, in our profession. I've got to give another quick shout out to our man, Brandon Lawrence. Yes, very much. Look, he... <laughs> Dog on a bone, dog on a bone. He is the most professionally persistent guy that I've come across in years since my time in Detroit, Michigan, going back five years. And I'll tell you, I think it took two to three years before our first conversation happened. And at the end of the day, our team was like, Manny, he's so polite. He's persistent. He does exactly what he says he'll do. Isn't aren't those the type of people you say you surround yourself with that I'm like absolutely right let's have the call. There's no doubt it and like I the big I I've worked with Brandon he when he was at the Cavaliers he was a salesperson from the Cavaliers and he then he started getting into management with the New Jersey Devils and then most recently before he joined our team in the right before the pandemic he was at Madison Square Garden and the guy's just you know there's three words that come to mind loyal ambitious and willing to get ahead and <laughs> 
and it's all professional. Like he he got us in red gold tomatoes because of exactly how he prospected you. He just lit. I, I even gave him a shout out in my book. I said, "Listen, I'm going to pay homage to the probably the pro pros, right? Like he just yeah. done Mister uh, Consistency. So definitely, thank yeah, you. I love it. So, yeah. so so Lance, look, there's four things we ask every guest that comes on at the podium, and we've got to honor those. Number one, favorite color. Black's new black. <laughs> it's always the, and it makes, it gives me a slim, slim look. I mean, you see how big my head is. I, have uh, to right? so, I love it. Hey, you're shouting out in your new podcast studio, right? When'd you get it yeah. set up? Yeah. We, well, you know, we, we built it over our offices here and I'm, um, I kind of was a little, I, I do a lot out of my house. I was like, all right, I'm going to start using this more. So you are my, I've done one of my own podcast here. You're my maiden voyage voyage here being a guest. So I'm, I'm excited. I love it, man. And it, Hey, it's a privilege and a blessing and an honor. We're, we're going to take credit for that. Hey, favorite afternoon snack. That's that. That's going to, you know, like right mid afternoon. Cause I, I do a lot of fasting. I like, yeah. I like the nail a little bit, like some, like some um, salmon, like salmon in the raw, like lots ah. freaking, I nail, I nail it all. I'm, that's my routine recently. Cause I'm love it. Can't overcarb it because I just my body types just is anti-carb. It just goes to the high. Yeah, our favorite foods are always an issue, aren't they? Like the kind of like the salmon. Right now, that's it. I definitely, definitely knock out you know a couple almonds and stuff like that. But I'm I'm giving you my most well-behaved version of Lance right now. So I love it. Favorite childhood su- superhero? It's Batman. Period. I mean. <laughs> Uh, here, here's why. And and if you, we, you see my tie clip, that's all I am is Batman all day. I didn't even know, dude, we are going to be good buddies. Yeah. Here's why. Oh, I said my, my sons all play. I have two sons that play college hockey. I have a younger one that's in high school. He's, he's one's a goalie, one's a defenseman and one's a forward. And I didn't play hockey. And I sent him an article on um, Tom Brady when he was in college. And when he played for Michigan, I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm a Penn State fan. I live in Ohio and I'm not a Ohio State fan. So if you're listening, I offend you. Too bad. But the article on Tom Brady, when he was competing for the job at, at Michigan, they kind of dubbed him Batman because the guy in front of him, I thought it was like Chad Hennings or whatever, whoever mm-hmm. that was. That guy, mm-hmm. baseball, he was, he was just like, could just show up. And, and I'm not saying I'm necessarily a Brady fan either. So I'm not trying to play that card, but he just kind of wasn't fast. And he, in, in Batman, had has to work at it. He doesn't really have any superpowers at the end. That's of right. It, he just he has tools and he uses his tools. That's right. Far down, Batman. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Last one. Black Say it again. A lot of black too, right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's, it's it's all coming together now. Definitely. Uh, last one. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big music lover in our home. We've been playing music since our children were born. As soon as we wake up, always have it on in the house at all times. Now, the, the, the beat and the tempo, right? They, those change uh, throughout the day, depending on what we're doing as a family. But, you know, I love learning about what somebody's favorite artist or favorite song might be. Yours. And this, this is, I, I will constantly, I, Artist wise, when I look up cool, and I'm not in necessarily into the politics of this. Yeah. So when I look up cool, it's just Bono. Like you look up cool and he's just kind of there, just kind yeah. of feel. So any 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 U2 concert I can go to, but the best concert I ever been have been to was 
one of my first concerts was Grateful Dead show JFK in Philadelphia. So like that was the experience of a lifetime because I saw some stuff there that my young eyes probably shouldn't have seen at that. Yeah, time. but uh, definitely in a huge and actually the first concert um, we were uh, down at Hard Rock and the and and it was the first time my sons, my wife, my sons, we all experienced a concert together. It was the last U two concert before the pandemic down at Hard Rock, so we all went together. My 14-year-old definitely identified what marijuana smelled like at that point. So, um, I mean, he kind of had that experience, but par for the course, right? So, Yeah. You didn't say it was fertilizer? <laughs> it was hard to argue where the smoke was coming from. <laughs> let's, let's, let's start right from the top. I mean, the book is the hottest thing going on. I'm not... And look, that that's not to take a cre- take credit away from the incredible organization that you're building in partnership with your team, but... This book is literally on fire. Talk to us about the inspiration for this book and who is this book for So and why? So I'm going to describe it this way. First of all, the book, the book is Frankenstein. And I'll tell you why. It's Frankenstein's monster. Because I, I kind of I start to write that book and it was more about prospecting. And I have a great team around me. And one of my, one of my, kind of like publicist slash um, everything gal. She goes, you know, Lance, you're preaching, you're preaching to the converted with a prospecting book. And I go, let's stop there and kind of let's, let's talk. And this is right as pandemics raging and we're almost done the book. And I go, what do you mean preaching to the converted? She goes, you're going to sell this to salespeople. You need to be wider. You need to, you're a thought leader. You got to go wide. And then she goes, like, and this shirt's coach me. She goes, look, look, you're talking about getting access to people. That's that's what sales is all about, is to create an opportunity where one did not exist. That's what you do. That's what I do, right? So, like, look at your business. There's a lot of options out there, or you're good enough where you're going to say, look, have you thought about life this way? Let's do mm-hmm. something. Yeah. All right. And so, so she, and then I keep coming back to this concept. It's, it's always B2B, B2C, but it's, it's not, it's, it's actually H to H, it's human to human. It's not B2C. Yeah. Or yeah. So many, so many people think that sales is a bad four letter word, but you can't, you can't take out the factor of a, a person, right? We talked about two great salespeople, Nathan DiLorenzo and Brandon Lawrence, Yeah. Right? They are the factor. So, so I came up in my career with, I still would recommend the one book, best sales book of all time ever written is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Bar none. There is no argument. 30 ways to deal with people more effectively. Simple things like smile, use people's names. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was like written in the 1930s. Like, has, has things changed? No, I don't think things have changed. No. Book is kind of... More on persuasion of influence, but with a touch of like a little bit of like look in the mirror, have some good EQ, think about your message, and and then think about and then as you get your message straight, then think about your audience. So wide wise, I wrote the book for the guy that's trying to get their their script bought to 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 the person that's trying to get capital for their business. Yeah. No, it's trying to sell their lawn services. To me, it doesn't matter because I think that persuasion and influence is, is where it's at. And, and it is the human factor. Think it, shark. It, I was watching Shark Tank one time. and Well, every time with Shark Tank, how many times do those cats say, look, I'm your, pro, your product's all right. I need some work. I'm kind of buying you, right? How many oh. times? All the time. 
right? <laughs> buy the person. And you know that we buy people first and then the product or service. So it is that factor. And, and, and I said, I was on a podcast the other day and uh, yeah, actually yesterday, the guy was from Bali. I'm like, what are you? I was like, you, I don't think you're really from Bali. And he goes, no. And I go, he goes, I'm Canadian. I go, oh, that kind of makes sense. Bali, Canada. And then I, I go, you reached out to me, you know what? And this is pre-interview. And he goes, yeah, he goes, um, I was trying to get my book to number one and your book was there the whole time for six weeks on Amazon. Just t- mm-hmm. and finally I had to call you and just like interview you. And I looked at him. I said, you know what, J- Jason Mark, I, I said, uh, or excuse me, John Mark, I said, it's not the best writing author. It's the freaking best selling author at the end of the day. And, and I, I think the book sells because people look at the title and they say human sales factor. What's that mean? Right. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best written book in the world. I, you know, I was told out of high school, I couldn't string a sentence together. So, which, okay. I can, I can look at that. There's Grammarly. Um, so, right. So, oh yeah. So anyway, that that's kind of the inspiration behind it, but it, it didn't start as that book. It started as kind of like a prospecting book. Which sounds not very exciting as I speak about now. Well, it's still it's still the the death of uh, of um, every young enthusiastic person who says, "Hey, I want to go make a million dollars by the time I'm 30, Right? The the inability to prospect properly to the appropriate audience and then be effective once you have their attention is 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 typically the death of all of us, right? percent agree. I mean, getting in the door is the first step, right? A hundred percent. And there's so well, you know, in your business, I mean, how many how many geniuses fail at what you do because of the inability to get in the door to see people? You know, I was I was on the earlier today with uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I was talking to their their some of their sponsorship folks, and I said, you know, I said we were going over what are they good in the sale, where are they good in the sales process, where not, and one of the guys said. You know, if you put me in front of the right prospect, I'm freaking great. I go, well, yeah, you skipped the first three steps. I mean, you know, you, you forgot running up to the vault as part of the kind of <laughs> oh, like it's like, hey, if you just hold me up right next to the rim, I'm gonna dunk it every time. That's of exactly, course you will. That's exactly what I said. I said, like, if I hold you seven foot over the rim, you could dunk. I can dunk too. Oh, uh, he, he started to laugh. He goes, Yeah. I said, but you what well, you gotta recognize is there's things in winning the appointment that are very similar, if not the same, than when you're pitching. You just got to say it faster and sound more interesting as part of the problem, or they just don't like you. And you got to figure out how, how that's going to work, right? So so you said something. I want to come back to you said, you know, you first have to look in the mirror, but there's something I keep thinking about as you're, as you're speaking is I often believe that the inability to prospect is a function of a few things. But one of them is the inability for us to win the war in our mind that we will and that we can and will add value. Tell me what your thoughts are when I say that. So one of my thoughts is, is um, there, when you look at, you mentioned entrepreneurs um, and you started talking about like your business and things like that. And anytime we go working with, and we, we really work a lot in the mid-market because pro sports teams are, they're not even big companies. They're big brands of big companies. They're mid oh. right? Yeah. They're just, and, and when I talk to an entrepreneur, a small to mid-sized company, and they want, they try to find salespeople like them. I'm like, you're not going to be able to, because nobody is going to be as passionate about your product or service as you will be. That's right. That's right. 
So it's so easy for you to tell the, the message. So that's one thing is the belief in product or service. Now, if you look at the word enthusiasm, okay, I don't know if anybody's ever said this to you. Enthus in Greek means like God from within. And in Latin, it means um, gift of the gods or, or reverse, but it's something around that. That's sure. But the last four letters of enthusiasm are IASM, and it stands for I am sold myself. And, and, and you, you said something earlier that made me think of like, and you might've said this right before we started, you know, sale is a sale is a transfer of emotion or a transfer of enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is not being a cheerleader either. Like my, my accountant, Tom Scheinman, he's from the East side of Cleveland. He's about as excitable as a person as you can get. I'm being very sarcastic, Tom, if you're listening to exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> he's an intensity about accounting. That is enthusiastic. He's not a cheerleader about it, though. So it's like I'm sold myself on my conviction, how I deliver my message. So when you prospect, if you don't, if 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 you subtract that out, it's not going to be good for you. you or at least at least have an enthusiasm about your own freaking brand or your own freaking career, right? Like that's that has to be a piece of it. So I think minus that, you get in, and and then what happens now, Manny? And I'm, I'm dead serious. Like right before the pandemic, I had this gal. Prospecting and prospecting the hell out of me. She was something like Mercado or something, right? So, what is marketing automation companies? And I will once a week, my staff will tell me, they're like, why is this appointment on your schedule? I said, I just want to see how freaking people sell. Like, so yes, she, she does such a good job. She goes to my blog, she quotes my blog in the email. I'm like, well, now we got something. <laughs> you know, go ahead, girl. I mean, like, if you're going to compliment me like that, let's do it. <laughs> then we, then I let her kind of go at it. She leaves me a message, hits me up a link. Her cadence is perfect, right? Uh, so, and then she opens up, like we're on a, we're on a, not a Zoom, we're on a conference call. And she goes, and it was like a clear slide so I could actually see her pitch. And she said, yeah. something like after pleasantry, she was good on the pleasantry. She says, you know, Lance, prospecting's dead. And I go, okay, I'm not sure I know what you mean by that, but go ahead. And she gave me all these stats and started to load them in. And she, <laughs> eloquent. She's doing a great job. And I said, well, aren't you supposed to say that? She goes, what do you mean? I go, well, you're kind of supposed to say prospect instead because you're representing a marketing automation company. You're trying to tell me that's that. right. She goes, well, it really is. And she cited more facts. I said, well, then I'm kind of curious. One thing, how <clears throat> you your marketing automation software to get in touch with me? You, There's no way you did. And she started to bobble around. She goes, well, I go, no, even your message was a direct message on LinkedIn. You didn't even use anything there. And she goes, I said, it's not dead. You got to talk about how this, I said, your prospecting is perfect though. So like prospecting is not dead. It's very much alive. You look at most KPIs in your business or mine. hundred percent. So sorry to over talk. That's kind of, I'm pretty, that's, that's a loaded, that's a loaded topic right there for me. Well, I, I, I think people still want to be introduced to other people through someone that they know, trust and like, right. I mean, I look, there's a lot of people I know and I trust, but if I don't like them, I'm not necessarily looking to get at the same dinner table with them and their closest friends. Right. And so you can know and trust a lot of people, but I, I think likability is kind of a, a an easily over overlooked uh, quality or characteristic about somebody. So I often say, and you know, look, my questions are geared towards you 
uh, I like I want you to elevate me. Right. I, I know that I've learned from people who have learned from you. Um, but I always say I think likability is one of the most overlooked uh, characteristics uh, that is the runway to trust with new people. What are your thoughts when I say that? So, so, so we, we fundamentally, in my first book, I talk about this a lot. And I even talk <clears> about <throat> fundamental principle. When first thing I think about is a lot of salespeople talk about the word relationships and I'm always, and that's where we start grinding in. And I'm like, relationships are outcomes. That's an outcome. Don't do relate. <laughs> But when you said that likability factor, first thing I think about is rapport. Well, I can pull up to a Wendy's drive-thru window and have rapport with somebody. I go to Tim Hortons in Dublin yeah. every day. Yeah. Helen, and I have a rapport with Helen, not a relationship with Helen, but, but I'm the two creams, two equal guy. Yes. Right. So rapport is a gateway and, and credibility is a gateway too, because rapport yields kind of um, influence and then credibility yields trust. And where does that credibility come? Well, that credibility comes from your appearance, how you deliver, how you talk, how you treat people. So then all, all of a sudden you got those two. And then if, if you can, if you would envision as you're listening to me, kind of an equilateral triangle. So no side is more important. They all kind of, they all kind of combine on each other. So it's rapport credibility. And then, the, then let's say it's the left side. If you're looking down at the triangles, understanding, if I can speak in a way that's similar to you, or at least demonstrate, I understand you, all those things come into play. And I think that's the springboard, right? Do brands have rapport? Yes. I mean, that's yes. to Harley Davidson to their body, right? Do brands have credibility? Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, you'll do business with, uh, you know, a certain store, a certain firm, right? And and can marketing speak to understanding? Yes. The salesperson has to pull all those things together because the rapport comes first through the salesperson. The credibility comes first through the salesperson, the understanding. And, and I tell sports teams, because like, I can see the Chicago ball behind you and I see two over your, your uh, right behind you is your uh, yeah. yeah. Here's the bottom line. If those brands could have figured out how to sell tickets, and they have at some in some cases they can sell tickets without salespeople, but the majority of it has to be sold with it. If those brands, if Salesforce.com, American Express can figure out how to sell their services without salespeople, they would have already done it because it's probably their most expensive venture. So we the world knows we need salespeople. Oh, and 100%. So like that's that's kind of that's that's it's complex, right? But I'm I'm with you with the likability factor. It's my number one. So, so if we agree that uh, lack of enthusiasm or the inability to transfer your enthusiasm to another human is one of the simplest ways to kill a mutually beneficial outcome. Yep. What's an, what's another one of the most common missteps you see good, honest, hardworking salespeople make day in and day out? No, now this is, this is, it's going to tie to two things. One is the likability factor. Have you ever sat on a plane? Now, I, and I travel 50 weeks. Okay. I have now gotten to a point in my life that I put sunglasses on and probably my hoodie. Don't engage anybody. You too. I put headphones on immediately. Pull out my laptop. I'm working. I, I'm just like, because I know inadvertently I'm going to get in a conversation. And by the time we land in Minneapolis, I'm going to know that the person's getting divorced, that the dog died and all this other stuff. <laughs> And I don't even know their name, right? <laughs> it's like therapy for people to be on. Uh, 
enough fear of flying, fear of crashing, whatever it is. So, so I think salespeople many times, like let's take pleasantries. Technically, pleasantries are not part of the sales process. How do we know that? Well, there are places you can go on the planet that would be offended if you had pleasantries with them. Go to Southeast Asia, go to Japan and ask how their family is. How's auntie so-and-so doing? It doesn't go off very well because it's in yeah. a, right? Uh, German cultured business does not dig that, okay? Right. South African, which is very influenced by Germans, don't like it, right? So pleasantries are very North American, let's say Western hemisphere in different parts of the country, longer and shorter. So I would say a lot of salespeople mistake um, good manners in good human relations for the other person actually being interested in you. Hmm. Um, because sometimes, so, so, but you know what is universal? And this is a huge mistake by, made by salespeople because they're so, they're so focused on just likability or rapport. And that's what, when I said, it's not hmm. credibility. I, and I, and I submit this to you. I like, I, here's here. I'll be open. I have a couple, a couple uh, fetishes in terms of nothing bad, watches and cars, period. Sure. I'm not buying a good watch. Like, I, I, I don't know why, I just like into watches, right? I think salespeople struggle more when they don't show respect for people's time and they appear they're wasting time. So, for instance, you've sat down with a salesperson that's just peppering you with questions and you're sitting there going, what the hell are you asking me all these questions for? So you stop at first, you're answering all the questions. Then they get your answers get shorter because you don't even know where they're going because they haven't showed respect for the time. Maybe they haven't set it up an agenda or why speak statement, or they haven't even said to you, Hey Manny, I'm just kind of curious today. How much time's too much time for you today? What's our hard stop? We'll see now all of a sudden that's credibility. And that's a huge mistake. <laughs> You get a CEO like of a mid-sized company. It's it's like you said to me before I even started. Hey, Lance, these go about thirty to forty-five minutes, or you know whatever we're going to do. You see, you have a hypersensitivity to it because of the business you're in, or it could be because of the amount of time you've been in business. But there's a lot of salespeople that are just like, I got all the time in the world, right? And and then watches and rings are your most two expensive pieces of jewelry. Sure, both represent time. How that's violated more often. And it's a smallest little thing than you could ever imagine. Yeah. I mean, would you, uh, for the folks that will listen to this, will you confirm that I did acknowledge the nominator and confirm the amount of time that you had set aside with me today? 1000% in the pre <laughs> before we actually started, <laughs> we were a hundred percent on this. So I, I just, I, I say it so much. And, and my, my beautiful wife, Samantha always says I'm such a robot, but <clears throat> I'm like, you know, why, why stop a good thing, right? That's, that's credibility because, because time is more valuable to people than anything else because it's only equalizer. That a hundred percent, right? It's the one thing that levels the playing field for all of us. You said, look in the mirror earlier, walk us through that lesson in two to three minutes. What does that mean? So, so in the book, I talk, and not to get too Greek here, ethos, pathos, logos, right? Kind of the emotion, the logic, and, and um, the character, the, and it's taught by Aristotle. And you got to look at the mirror with the messages. So um, we put some PR the other day out in the book, and when we wrote it up, we kind of talked about the, the guy from better.com that fired all the people on Zoom, right? <laughs> 
I'm I'm sure um I'm sure I knew he didn't get up and say, I'm gonna fire all these people, piss the world up, screw my brand. And I'm sure he didn't do it. Right. I, I can assure you though, he didn't look really hard in the mirror and like had some EQ to how's this gonna come off to, to the audience. I think salespeople failed that all the time. So I think when you're looking at the mirror, you're looking at your message um, and it's not one-sided. That's why I'm not um, like from a tactical standpoint, I can't stand scripts. I, I would argue, I would go toe to toe with <laughs> in higher education, adult education, corporate learning, <clears throat> say scripts suck. And I get it. Well, why? Well, here's the problem. What if, I don't know if you've ever acted, but if somebody goes off script, there's two different, there's, there's character actors, there's people who understand the whole plot and people just memorize the script. You teach bunch of salespeople scripts and what if the person doesn't say what you need them to say? It's actually a flow, which means you strategy wise, you've got to understand how people buy, but you then have to relook in the mirror at where you're going. You got to keep your EQ in check or your attitude under control. You got to know your message. You're going to know your audience. That's where the mirror comes from. It's the Greek mirror, right? Ethos, pathos, logos. I love that. I've never heard that. <clears throat> Obviously, I've not been a student yet. Well, know where it came from in all seriousness. Like um, where I got, I got inspired is, it, and everybody listening should just read the book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People for one reason, because what Stephen Covey does in the book is he says, look, prior to like 1930, everything was introspective. So if you read Ben Franklin's autobiography, he talks about his 13 virtues, right? And that's all character-based things. So up into the 1930s, most self-development had to do with who you are as a person, character-related. Around 1930, How to Win Friends comes out. Norman Vincent Peale comes out with The Power of Positive Thinking. Um, Napoleon Hill comes out with Think and Grow Rich. And that's all outward-facing persuasion. So, so in reality, it's order. So when I wrote The Human Sales Factor, I said, you have to deal with you first. And then you deal with Because, you know, sometimes your mind's like a bad neighborhood. It's not good to be alone in it either, right? So, like, you know, that's a... That's definitely an issue. That's 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 how I would summarize it. You um you mentioned uh, the keys to become a becoming a a master negotiator. You speak on this often. Give us a give us a quick rundown of a few of those. So so if you're there's probably a couple of good examples. So so one let's just let's define the the word negotiation is very similar to the word pornography. Now Explain. You're, now you're sitting there going, oh boy, man, this, this show just went. <laughs> we can edit it. Uh, well, here, so, so Larry Flint versus the U.S. government, pornography was defined as in the eyes of the beholder. So some mm. people might say, hard, this is hardcore. Some people might say Michelangelo's David is pornography. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the word negotiation in, in business context has, has literally been thrown around. What's it mean to be a good negotiator? What's the profile of a good negotiator? Well, it's all over the place. I mean, you can go to the best business school. You go to HBS and, or Harvard and say, like, let me take your negotiation class. You can listen to Chris Voss. Never split the difference. Oh, love him. I do, too. And I've been on a couple of things with him. My challenge with him is he would never split the difference, but when you have things that are not like value in business, 
unrealistic think you never split the difference. And, and yes, unachievable. That's my challenge with it. I he is a best-selling author, and I love his stuff. Right. A lot of his stuff, though, if you listen to Jordan Peterson, is your counseling 301 labeling and reframing. I mean, it, the stuff's great. It's it's out there, though. There are tactical things. I, I first approach negotiation with any group we're working with is let's define the word. If you go to the third definition of, of negotiation, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it's moving around through something. Right. So you would negotiate your car into the parking lot. So it's maneuverability, right? When you mm-hmm. follow the AIDS app, you're negotiating. You're yes. Negotiating. And, and so that's actually the first definition. In reality, then, as you're selling, the, the next thing is you would never bargain if you're blind. So you would never start negotiating before you got objections out. Yes. Yep. Always after objections. Right. So so then at some level, if you're selling in a semi-complex to a complex sales process, you got to look at high ground at all times. Right. So if 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 I want a meeting with you, right? So say I, I was I was selling to you, I might say something to you early. Hey, just before we start, I'm I'm curious, Manny, what got you to take the meeting? <clears throat> right. Well, now like if I can start getting some high ground with asking, if I'm getting tactical, asking questions or in certain things in spots where you wouldn't be ready, it's kind of like Wonder Woman's lasso, right? Or how Batman beats Superman. Sorry for the, uh, I'm going to kill it right here for everybody. It's been out for a while. Batman is the greatest superhero because he builds a kryptonite tip spear and he gets Superman, right? So asking questions at odd spots or if you're seeking odd ground will get truth or you'll win. Right. And when I say win, I'm not like, look, win, win, all that good stuff. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a relationship guy. So so you want to seek high ground or get the advantage on certain things. So you got you're, you're in high ground because the more high ground you have, the more sight. So so it's maneuverability and at a level at different times in the sales process, the high ground and then all the tactical stuff. Look, not every tactic great for every situation. Sure strategy based, you don't want to be tactic based. And that's, we teach a concept called balance attack selling, which teaches mindset of the client, mindset of your prospect, then the strategy, the strategy against the different mind, <clears throat> then tactics, and then skills and behaviors. So, so with that said, we're always starting with the mindset, right, of the potential buyer. So that's, that's how we approach negotiation. What um, can, can millennials sell? I see a lot struggling out there. Well, I would say they have the propensity to sell. Um, what do you mean by that? You've never, I've never seen such a narcissistic group in my whole life. I mean, you <laughs> have to have a level of like, I mean, I remember one time I was driving back from a hockey game and my son, Jared, <laughs> driving the car. It's like, and it's a hockey practice, like 9.30 and maybe he's like 14 or 15. He's kind of crouching down in the seat like this. He has his iPhone in front. He's like, like this. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, nothing. I'm like, miles for like 10 miles from home and he's doing it again i go what the flip are you doing and he goes and it's like it's nothing so finally does it again i pull the car off hit the lights i go what are you doing <laughs> i'm taking snapchats snapchats oh i said of what he goes Man. i said so it's 9 30 at night it's a wednesday night you're 14 or 15 years old you're taking pictures of yourself car <clears throat> <laughs> I don't do that. That's what life's all about at this point. I mean, you, you've look at all these influencers, right? Like 
they can sell themselves, right? Do they have the discipline for some um, some things? Like if I'm managing millennials right now, the thing you need to remember about millennials is they like to know the rules. So establish the rules, establish the KPIs. Um, they definitely know how to how to sell themselves. They do it all the time. I don't love though. I don't love taking groups of people and categorizing them. So I, I there are some millennials that can't. But I, I have two. We right now in this war for talent, we actually hire uh, last semester college seniors to do a lot of our a lot of our business development con- coordinating, and then we look to hire them right out of school. We pay them pretty well, and they they help us win appointments. Man, I, the two I have right now, one goes to Florida A&M and the other goes to Finley University in, in Ohio. They're crushing it right now. Crushing I love it. it. And, and I don't even think they're, they're not even millennials at this point. I think they're with Zers. So. What does good or great sales training or coaching look like in today's world? I, I think it's a blend, right? I, I, think, I think training and coaching have come across um, to each other. I would say when I was in Dale Carnegie, more of a kind of strength-centered commenting, I think people yeah. feedback. I think you got to be able to tell them what they're doing well, but you got to be able to really say, look, here's some evidence of things you need to do better. And it's almost a gamification piece. You got to give instant feedback. People don't want to be waiting for things, mm-hmm. but that's, you got to have some tact when you do that because you could really crush somebody. So you got to be like, we do more train the coach, train the trainer stuff now than we ever have. Because, because it has to be in the moment. It's just in time at this point. What's the cadence of that look like within a sales organization? Well, I mean, I, I think, I think we, we, we come in, and this is our version. Sure. Semi-complex to complex sales process are seven factors to drive success. And we call it Sales Team 7 or SD7. Okay. So leadership, and we look at that as communication, people, people, culture and things like that. That that's leadership. Management is your KPIs, like calls, appointments, pipeline size, pitch through rates, whatever they are. Then <clears throat> look at process. Is there a process? Does it lack a process? Sure. And and are the salespeople being being held accountable for that? Then from there, methodology is a strategic seller, consultative seller, do you have to kind of redefine that? Then we look at enablement, which which ultimately is your technology by which you sell. Okay. And then, then from there we get into effectiveness, which is your skill set. And now we're very much into the talent management game. Um, we use a competency-based uh, assessment where we're looking at what the capacity of somebody is to be able to do it. Like, look, there's a lot of times my organization gets in and they're like, Hey, we need our salespeople to do X, Y, and Z. And a lot of times I'm like, you have a duck. You want the duck to be an eagle. I'm going to assure you it's going to happen. <laughs> to make a, di- a duck and eagle you're just gonna, you got it or, or vice versa so I think I, I think what a lot of folks don't understand is not every sales skill is coachable think about it this way if I let's say I run a five minute mile that's world class I could train every freaking day of my life run 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 what are the chances of me getting under a five minute mile probably not great right like I, I'm gonna make sure that five minutes perfected. There's some skills you're just not, you know, not everybody's going to be good at qualifying prospects with a swift level of interest. Not everybody's going to be sure. good. Not every, like, so where a salesperson lacks capacity or a sales team lacks capacity, you must build process. 
So think about it this way. If my job every day was to change light bulbs in this building and say I was five, four. All right. Well, it's a hell of a lot different than if I was six, seven, five, four, I could do it, but I'm probably gonna have to carry a ladder around. And I'm not making fun of anybody that's, that's taller or shorter. I'm just saying, I'm going to have to carry a ladder around. And if I don't have great core strength, it's probably going to need to be an aluminum ladder. I can get the job done, but I'm going to need a process, which is the ladder, right? Yes. So, so you got to look at that sales team seven and say, okay, <clears throat> where do I have to install process Predictable process yields predictable result, right? That's helpful. Now, you scaling an organization requires sales leaders. Share two or three of the characteristics that you look for and value the most as you advise these larger organizations on how they should uh, promote from within. So, so I think number one, you know, as the old adage goes, just because I know how to sell doesn't, it's probably opposite the skills I need to be a great leader. Yeah. <laughs> leader. Um, you know, there are, there are plenty of caddies that aren't great at golf, but can definitely coach golf because they, they have perspective on things. Right. So I'm looking for that capacity. I, I, I would say the other thing too, and this comes up time and time again. I, I think about this guy Max. He used to work for, he used to work for one of the Florida sports teams, and he had gotten to a point where he's the top of his game, just a great salesperson. And he, um, he came to me one time. He goes, Lance, I want to be in leadership. I go, why? And he goes, well, I just think it's the ne- next natural progression for me. I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, he goes, what do you think? I go, I think you're a great salesperson. And he goes, well, I want to be in leadership. I go, Max, I'm, I got to be frank with you if you're open to it. I said, I don't think you like people enough to be a great leader. So, because remember in sales, we don't, we don't, we got to be like, you said it. We got to be likable. Sometimes that doesn't mean we like people. Like in How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie never said anywhere in that book, you actually had to like people. And, and so that's true. Just, it's somebody, so true. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like people. They're just great people to get along with, be around. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. This edge too that I, I, but I think to be a leader, you have to have a genuine love of people on some level to see develop and, and, and things like that. So I even look at that as for trainers for us. So that's awesome. Uh, Which book, which book um, do you think is the most overlooked book? In the marketplace, in this kind of this kind of topic or, or area of genius, in terms of in terms of that that leadership, yeah, sales leadership, yeah, um, but leadership in general. I mean, look, I I think I think everything is everything is a sale. Everything you know, you you get home and, and you're selling your spouse on dinners now or it's later. It's here, or it's there. It's you know, you do this or you do that with your children. You walk into work the next day and you tell someone you did or you didn't. You know, complete the assignment. We're always just consistently selling. And I and I I, go, I, I really go back to how to win friends because it's just not a sales book. It's a leadership book too. I mean, it's like yeah. how, you avoid an argument. How do you like? I, I really go back to that book. I I just I think it's it's so core to everything you're asking right there. So. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. So I don't, I don't want to run out of time before I ask you about the actual uh, Tyson group. 
Right. I mean, I've, you know, I wanted to, to, to un- unpack the man, the myth, the legend a little bit, and I've enjoyed the conversation thus far. I think we could probably go for a week and, and still not uh, uh, finish discussing these sort of topics together. But the Tyson group, who's yeah. the, uh, you know, what's the vision for the Tyson group? You know, who, who, who is the ideal client? Like who should, who should, if, if they knew the value prop and the impact that the group could have, who should be calling you? So, so our mission is, is real simple. We work through sales leaders and their teams to compete in a complex world. We believe, I'm going to make this really simple. As we believe most of our customers suffer from the disease of uniqueness. They, they think they have a unique issue, which is fine. So, so we tailor training, consultant, and coaching around what they need. We, we tailor and design it, if that makes okay. sense. So I think that's a, that's a big part of, who we are at the end of the day. And I think it's the mid-market president, CEO, um, sales decision maker who, who really know there's a challenge and, and they need to address it at some level. So that's, that's, who, that's definitely who we are in a nutshell. What's the vision for the organization over the next 10 years? Um. Our big, hairy, audacious goal is to be the most recognized in revenue, recognition, and talked about sales training, consulting industry in the world. I mean, that's the 25-year goal. Like, it has. Yeah. That's, that's the big, hairy, audacious goal. I'm asked that all the time by my board. What's the one thing that will get in the way of you hitting that? I think it's me. What do I, you mean by that? I, I think I have to evolve as, as the leader. I think... I don't think it's hot. Like I'm going to have to select the best people, right? Period. I think though, I think if I don't evolve as a leader and a CEO and then look to evolve the organization, I think we'll always, you know, we could, we could always be the size we are. I think that has to evolution's revolution. And, you know, I think the good news is I found the enemy, the bad news, it's probably me. Right. So, (laughs) And, and my mentor said that, used to say that all the time about himself, and I never knew what he meant, and I know what he means now. Say my Oreo, my mentor, he definitely was right on that, so. What's the, what's the one thing that, uh, you know, people would not assume about you, but should know about you that's a significant part of, of who you are and how you do things? First thing that comes to my mind with that is I'm not I, – I, I'm – I do so much work with being different places and really trying to, and all my trainers do this. I mean, we have 10 world-class trainers and consultants. We have to kind of make somebody else's business, our business. If if we're truly going to jump into it, like we really got to possible understand their business. We're doing business with a tech company right now that competes in kind of measuring commercials and things like that. Like I had to really, in my, my VP of consulting money, we didn't really kind of wrap our arms around the industry quick. And then you're trying to engage people and you're trying to persuade them and, 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 and try to work with them and kind of fold into the organization as much as possible. Because the way I look at our organization is we augment what the leader does, right? Because every leader's job is to get results and develop people or develop people and get results, right? Like that's kind of the primer right there. So we come in and we're asked to affect that. So I think for us, for me, what you wouldn't know about me is like, look, on the weekends at night, I'm just not like if I never went to a networking event again, like, oh I'm, my. I'm 
so involved with pro sports, you probably won't see me at a game because I'm good. Like I'm just kind of, I kind of just hang out. I'm pretty, I wouldn't say I'm introverted, but I'm kind of really toned down in my personal life. Like, right. It's, I'm usually at a hockey game with one of my kids sitting on, sitting on the, uh, watching uh, Vikings with my wife or something like, you know, <laughs> I love that show. Me too. Or like, oh, I really like Valhalla right now. That's good. We just watch that one. That's kind of the the, the sequel to, or not the the aftermath of it. So yeah, yeah. that's kind awesome. Of, wouldn't even know it about me. You'd think I'm like out like every night. Nah, just kind of chilling. <laughs> that's, that's where it is. I shut off pretty good. I love it. Look, I I've enjoyed the last forty to forty five minutes together. And folks, look, it's really simple. It's the TysonGroup.com. TysonGroup.com. When when earning the deal, getting the deal done is critical and you're working in a challenging sales environment and you accept the fact that growing future sales leader is the only way to scale, Lance Tyson is someone you should talk to. But I'll tell you what, you should look up my buddy, Brandon Lawrence, and let's get Brandon Lawrence the credit for the deal and, and he'll get you to Lance Tyson. Lance, any parting thoughts before we end today? Your task is to build a better world. I answered how. The world is so large, vast, and complicated now. And I'm so small and useless. There's nothing I can do. My dad and all his wisdom said, Lance, just build a better you. I think bottom line, that's what we talked about all day. Just build a better you, especially when it comes to sales, your business. So Manny, I hand over the mic. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, this was awesome. And this, this is, you know, this, uh, this one happened. This is the first one coming out of his new studio. Can't wait to hear more uh, from you. And look, I look forward to growing the relationship and Brandon and I are in touch. And uh, seriously, thank you. This was a, a lesson in selling and I uh, was the student today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate Thanks, Lance. It.